Good morning and welcome to The Home Show with me, Sinead Ryan. Coming up today, as hundreds queued to view just one rental property this week, we'll be talking about what's next for the housing crisis. I'll be learning about the psychology of becoming an empty nester and how you can make it your own home afterwards. Emma Gleese will be talking us through the architectural history of NUI Galway and Denise O'Connor of Optimised Design will be here to talk about repurposing those rooms, perhaps after a college student has left and incorporating floral, summer prints into the home. If you'd like to get involved in the show today, you can text us here on The Home Show at 53106 for 30 cent or email us at thehomeshow at newstalk.com and you'll find me over on Instagram at Sinead Ryan 100. And you can listen live or listen back to any of our shows and podcasts up on the News Talk app, which is powered by Go Loud. Now, I don't know if you heard uh, during the week about Ireland's first Lego store, which opened on Thursday down the road from us here on Grafton Street. Kieran Cuddy, you got a sneak preview and he sounded a bit like a 10 year old on Christmas morning. He was enjoying it so much. But it got me thinking about childhood toys in general. You might remember uh, last week we covered Barbiecore, the new home decor trend inspired by next year's hottest release, uh, the movie starring Margot Robbie and Ryan Gosling uh, going round skating in neon pink. Well, I was never a Barbie girl, but it was always her classier rival, Cindy. Uh, for me, I loved them and had all kinds of furniture and outfits for my collection. I also loved Lego, though, and board games. Monopoly was absolutely my favourite, which I suppose boded well for a future career in presenting a home show. But I'd love to hear about your favourites. Toys that are still in use today, maybe you've handed them down to the next generation, uh, or they're long gone the way of fashion, like Furby Babies or Cabbage Patch Kids or Meccano, Dungeons and Dragons, whatever they were. Let me know what they were and what your favourites are and what shop you'd like to see opening to dedicated to your favourite toys. You can text us here 53106 or you can uh, email us at com, and we'd love to hear from you this morning. But for now, you're very welcome along to The Home Show. Now, over 150 people queued the other day for the viewing of just one property in Dublin. A photo of it went viral on Twitter from our own Connor Finn, who stood in the queue in vain for ages and ages. Post-pandemic Ireland is enjoying an €8 billion corporate tax windfall. Employees from multinationals are flooding the country. They all need somewhere to live. Rental accommodation is being built, we're told. Houses are being built. Uh, And yet Ireland's largest private landowner said he could fill a new apartment block 30 times over. And it even prompted remarks, some say intemperate ones, from President Michael D. Higgins recently who called the housing situation a disaster. So what is in store now for renters and buyers uh, as it seems things are getting worse than ever? Well, here to talk about all of this is Chief Commercial Officer of Daft.ie, Adam Ferguson. Adam, you're very welcome along to the Home Show today. Thanks a million. Great to be here. Now, let me start by quoting your own economist, Dr. Ona Lyons, uh, in the latest Daft report. He said, a resurgent economy over the last year has accentuated the chronic shortage of rental housing in Ireland uh, and it translates directly into higher market rents and this can only be addressed by significantly increased supply. Now, he's giving us a lesson there in Economics 101, supply and demand. He's right, obviously, but let's drill down into some of the data that the research found um, from from Daft.ie. So we've never had lower volumes of properties available to rent, and I think that's exactly reflected in what you've seen in that queue. Um, the volume of leads per property has never been higher. So you know we're seeing people 190 
inquiries per ad per month. So, you know, people are complaining that they're not getting response from agents or private landlords who are advertising property. And the reason is that there's just too few properties and too many people looking for them. So it's well documented that we need 50,000 new units a year. And most recently, we completed 7,500 in a quarter. So, yes, houses are being built, but not at the rate that we need or anywhere close to it. So every day, the situation is getting worse. Mm -hmm. Um, And how does this manifest itself for real people? I think, you know, we have whole families living in hotel rooms. We have grandchildren living with grandparents. We have students living with uncles and aunts. I think my own home, I live in North Wicklow. We hired a Spanish student to come and live with us uh, to help with childcare in return for accommodation and and a small salary. Um, She's been with us for a year, but her English has developed, working in a creche, and she can't find anywhere to live. And she's going to stay in her house. Mm -hmm. And then our living room has been converted into a bedroom. And we have a Ukrainian family, a mother and two children. So total now, you have eight people living in a a four-bed bungalow. And I think we're going to see more and more of that. And the people I feel most sorry for is you know, if you've got an established house, um, an established rental agreement, um, you have somewhere to live. But the demographics are constantly changing. Students are moving to Dublin to go to to go to their courses. There's nothing available. First time buyers. Mm-hmm. You know, we were talking to a developer this week, and they released a, a, a phase of a development, and they had a hundred valid buyers per unit. That's buyers ready to go, funding in place, and. 99 out of 100 are going to be disappointed. Wow, okay. And I mean, you're talking about your own uh, situation there, Adam. And it seems to me that not only are you doing a good deed by having, you know, your former nanny and a Ukrainian family staying with you, but that now seems to be almost government policy because... We're hearing ministers coming out saying, can you please host Ukrainian refugees? Here's 400 quid a month. Can you please consider taking in a student when college term starts? Like, it, it's it's not really a very settled way of doing things because, as you say, they're, they're at the vagaries then of, of hosts like you who, who may be very well-intentioned and want to do the right thing, but there may come a time when you're saying, we can't do this anymore. Well, it's a huge commitment. I mean, I have nieces and nephews in Tralee. Their mother, my sister, is going to ring me when they get places in college in Dublin. And I'm going to have to take them in if the situation doesn't change. Mm. And that doesn't work for everyone. No. They're huge commitments. If they do a master's or, you know, one of them does medicine, they will be with me for 10 years. That's, 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 That's phenomenal. So it's not it's not sustainable. It's extremely frustrating for people. And we need more supply. Um, okay, I don't and, know where it comes from, but yeah. In in terms of the supply, let me just dig out a couple of figures I saw from this report um, on the tenth of August when when it was published. There were seven hundred and sixteen properties available to rent in the country. In two thousand and nine, there were twenty three thousand four hundred of them. Now I know that was kind of after the crash and in the slump, and we'd far too many houses. But it's it's an extraordinarily stark difference. Now we talk about being in crisis mode and the crisis of the housing market. I've been using that word for the best part of a decade now. Um, have you any other words for me? <laughs> you know, I, Any other ways I, to describe this, Adam? It, like it's a catastrophe in terms of how long it's been going on as well. Uh, I mean, there was a, a, an increase in supply during the initial phases of COVID. 
But if you look, I was talking to one of our designers this morning and he was saying that in 2015, he remembers queuing for an apartment with 30 people. So this isn't a new phenomenon. And we just, we need more supply. Well, mm. You know, there's parts of the DAF report and, and, and Rona mentions it where we, we don't have a full sight of the number of units available from PRS and the BTR market, the built rent market. So we've seen lots and lots of supply enter the market and that actually has really helped. But we need more supply. We need it from PRS. We need it from mom and pop landlords. We need it in terms of social housing. You know, and to do that, we need infrastructure and we need to make it easy for developers and builders. Now, and, and we, we do have infrastructure because we have, even in, like, especially in Dublin, we have massive brownfield sites which are state owned. Um, I, we had John Moran on from the Land Development Agency um, a, a couple of months ago and he was giving me thousands of hectares that are available uh, with water supplies, which could be hooked up to electricity supplies. Where do you think... And of course, the government will say, and let's be fair to them, if I had the minister, Dar O'Brien on, he'd be telling me, we're going to be building 40,000 houses this year, Sinead. You know, we did 30,000 last year. We are getting there. It's just a little bit slow. So so where is the constriction? Because, OK, the planning, things get mired down there for years and years and people object and they're legitimately entitled to. Uh, but, but where, like, is there one area that if you were the minister that you would change in the morning to free up the availability of supply? Well, I'll have to say, fortunately, I'm not. It's not an easy problem to solve, and I, 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 I don't envy the task. I think Cherrywood is an interesting example. I, I used to live near it. So in South County zone, Dublin, and this is an South absolutely enormous development that's being built um, up between kind of Leopardstown and Shankill and that whole area there. So Lewis Line goes through it. All of the services are laid on. It took 20 years from it being assigned as a strategic development zone for the first person to move in. Wow. You know, and it still looks like a building site. I mean, it's, it's not a, nearly done. It's a, it's a building site and, and it'll house, I think, in the range of 20, 25,000 people. Mm, but not but, soon. You, you know, that's, if you take it and, and, and it's not all about refugees and Ukrainians, but like that would be about half the number of Ukrainians who've come into the country. It would be you know, it, it's it's nowhere near. We need 10 of them, 20 of them, 30 of okay. them. And everything was laid on there. So I think we need more infrastructural investment. If you look at small towns, say water's laid on, sewage is laid on. It, it isn't. The, the You know, our sewage systems are at capacity. Irish water is underfunded. Like, the there's loads and loads of infrastructure problems. This isn't this isn't an easy task. Mm, okay, okay. And I mean, in fairness, if it was, it would be solved. I mean, I don't think there's a lack of political will to do it. It just seems like there's a kind of hiatus in joined up thinking to get it actually done. Um, I mean, we have the money to do it. We're throwing supports. Uh, taxpayer-funded supports to first-time buyers between the Help to Buy and the First Home Scheme and all that other stuff. Do you think, Adam, that that's actually adding to the problem? Because what you're doing there, of course, is chasing price. You're you're not solving the supply issue. You're just creating more demand by saying, look, you don't have to save your deposit. Here's all your tax back for the last four years. Should we be stopping supports like that? No, I think supports help. Um, Whichever way it falls in, it helps the developer develop more properties if he can sell more for more. Um, and construction costs have, have inflated. It's, ver- it's very difficult to build development affordably. Um, and as such, having this demand is really helping fuel the developers and help them to build more and more, more properties. Mm. 
And, you know, you are seeing the 7,500 units that were completed, a good portion of that is first-time buyer three, four-bed semis. And that's a really good outcome. But, you know, on the other side of the coin now, we're delaying planning permissions for PRS and apartment blocks. Um, and some of that is, is, is public view. But we, but we need them all. We need luxury apartments. We need affordable apartments. And we need more more social. And, and affordable housing. OK, I'm speaking yeah. with Adam Ferguson of daft.ie about their latest report and what it has uh, shown up. One area that's curious, and I think it baffles people, um, Adam, because the rent pressure zones that were brought in a, a number of years ago, the whole point of them was to control rents and, and landlords now can't, well, private landlords. Uh, let's not talk about the, the big uh, funds who can do what they like, it seems to me. Um, can only increase rent by 2% now in a rent pressure zone and yet and yet in your report we see um, that rents are up month on month year on year by multiples of that uh, so what is happening there it's it's not the same landlords we're not suggesting they're doing anything untoward but what what is going on so our report looks at new stock entering the market and it doesn't necessarily mean it's new stock it could be leases that ended somebody who's moved out because they bought a house etc so it reflects what you can get for a property. It doesn't necessarily reflect what people are getting for a property. So again, back to, you know, people who have established rental agreements, people who own homes, they're the fortunate ones. Somebody who comes into the market, you know, gets a job in Dublin, gets a college place in Dublin, you know, gets married, has a family, needs to move accommodation. They're the people who can't get anything and that's mm. where the affordability squeeze is. OK, now we have the budget coming up um, in September this year. It's been brought forward by a couple of weeks. Housing is going to feature there. What kind of housing measures do you think could be introduced by Pascal Dunhu that might just make things a little bit better? There's talk of supports, tax breaks for landlords, having done away with all the tax breaks for landlords. Time to reintroduce them. Look, I don't want to comment from a political perspective overly, but I think it could be helpful for mom and pop landlords to be incentivized because they, they provide a solution, particularly nationally, where there's very little rental stock in regional towns, etc. And I don't see the big apartment blocks being developed there. The institutional landlords aren't going to come there. So who, who are the private landlords going to be? Mm. They have to be mom and pop landlords. And right now they're all exiting, or not all, but a significant mm. portion. Because and they're exiting because they can get good prices and they're paying huge taxes on yeah. their rental income. And, you know, you've got to renovate properties. It's hard to maintain them over a long term and it's expensive. So they need to be incentivized if, if we want to keep them in the market. OK, all right. Well, listen, we'll wait and see what happens there in the budget. Uh, I suppose they'll be going round the loop of what's possible and um, what's practical and what can be done fast. But I, I'm hearing from you, there's a little bit of despair in your tone, Adam. I'm hearing, don't hold your breath. Yeah, well, look, uh, the despair is based on celebrating seven and a half thousand houses in a quarter yeah. when we need 12, 13, 14, 15,000 houses per quarter. So... I, I, we're that's 60% of what we need. We shouldn't be celebrating that because we've got such a shortfall. The shortfall's building all the time, you know. Mm. I love the concept of everyone needs to compromise. And I love the concept of yes in my backyard okay. um, that introduced by Carl Dieter. So people need to see supply develop next to them. They need to support it. Taxpayers need to contribute. People need to help people by 
by taking students into their homes, everyone's going to have to compromise. We're going to feel pain anyway. Mm. But the more we compromise and the more stock we get into the market, the better the situation is going to get. Yeah, so become a YIMBY rather than a NIMBY. Um, And well, then let me go back to then your situation, uh, Adam. So you've taken in a Ukrainian refugee and and her child or children. How has it worked out for you practically? Would you recommend it to other people? Um, I would absolutely recommend it. It's a huge commitment, though. So, I, I, you know, you'd want to be really up for it as a family. Um, I'm seeking loads of reasons why it could go wrong, but it's been really, really rewarding for us. We've really enjoyed it. We have a great relationship um, and so far so good. I think it's going to be, you know, first people are talking six to 12 months. I think it's going to be two or three years. Um, mm. Alia's the mother. She has a five and eight-year-old. We have a five and seven-year-old. They get on okay most of the time. Um, it's an interesting family dynamic, but yeah. it's been very rewarding. All right. Okay. Well, listen, Adam Ferguson, uh, Chief Commercial Officer of Daft.ie, uh, thanks for coming on the home show this morning. Thank you. And still to come on the home show, we'll be talking about how to deal with empty nest syndrome uh, if your child is going to college and living away from home uh, at the moment. So stay tuned and we'll be back with you in a few moments. Andrew, welcome back to the home show here on News Talk. I'm Sinead Ryan. If you have found yourself as an empty nester for the very first time and you're feeling a little bit glum about it and you need a little bit of help, well, don't worry. Uh, We have expert Denise O'Connor from Optimised Design in studio with us to give us exactly what we need. Denise, you're very welcome back uh, to the home show. Now, listen, I, as I said uh, earlier on the show, I am one of those uh, empty nesters and I have to say it's great. (laughs) (laughs) They're all gone. Um, I'm seeing off... uh, child uh, number one this afternoon actually back to London after a few weeks and um, they do tend to leave bits of them behind yes. so in in one of my rooms now which is the kind of the repurposed attic it, there's now um, two suitcases different children there's a skateboard um, there's an American football helmet don't ask there's an electric <laughs> guitar don't ask didn't know any of them played that yeah. um, and an Xbox and a variety of Googles and gadgets and bits and pieces that they mm-hmm. will definitely, definitely take the next time they come home. Yes. But they're leaving there for now. Yeah, yeah. Um, is it too early to sell it all on eBay? <laughs> no, I don't think so. And I think, look, you're not alone. Even my own parents' home is still full of things like college books, notes, uh, school books, things going years, years back. Mm. Um, so when when does it, like a memory and a, a family kind of uh, childhood heirloom become rubbish? <laughs> Pretty quickly, I would say, to be <laughs> honest. So I, I think like if all of those things you mentioned there are actually, they have value. You, you know, places like CEX for selling Xboxes, the guitar, all these sort of things could actually make them money. So maybe maybe if it's an idea about, you know, talking to them, well, look, why don't we just try selling them? See what happens. You're an advocate of having the conversation. <laughs> Start talking to them about, well, look, do you really need this? This is from, you know, senior infants. So so get the get the child involved um, and, uh, and make sure that you're doing it with their permission. Mm. OK, <laughs> so in terms of um, then clearing out or repurposing a room. I mean, look, I, 
I suppose it depends on whether they're going to need it again. Yes, you know, and, exactly. and of course for the college years and yeah. possibly years beyond that, the mm-hmm. way things are going now, according mm-hmm. to Daft to IE, we did them on earlier in the show. Um you you know, you, there's only so much you can do to clear it out. But in terms sure. of just decluttering and tidying, is it worth kind of refreshing it up with a coat of paint or new bed linen or even temporarily using it for some other thing? Oh, listen, I think so. I think one of the worst things is or are rooms that are underused in a, in a home. So, so many people that I speak to are saying, God, you know, we need more space. We want to build an extension. So expensive at the moment. What do we do? And then when you actually go out to the house and look around, like there'll be the, the box room, the junk room, the room that's stuffed full of, of, of things. So people just aren't using the room and they will have excuses like that. Oh, that's my son's room. He's living in X, Y, Z. He may come back. So mm. a lot of things are stuck in limbo, but people aren't using their homes. They're not getting the best value out of their homes. And they're a lot of them very unhappy in their homes. So I would definitely encourage people to repurpose the room, use it, even if, for example, something like um, a dressing room, you know, that's something that could easily be done very inexpensively. You could have a small futon or a sofa bed in there as well so that when the child comes back, they can stay. But at least you're getting a lot of benefit out of the space. And in terms of the construction involved, could you just like, would you have to get somebody in to redo all all of that or... Could you just work with clothes rails or I, I have one of those. Oh, and, yeah. And I, they're fantastic. They're really. amazing. Yeah. They're, and they're brilliant for wheeling out if you want to mm. do a closet clear out in your own room, hanging things out, looking at things. They're a brilliant investment. Um, but even inexpensive sort of shelving systems that you can buy off the shelf in so many stores, brilliant solution for, for um, like a walk-in wardrobe because you don't need doors in that kind of situation. So you right, can have everything right. on display, yeah. which is perfect. Okay, so there's yeah. not, not a big load involved in doing no, that. Okay. No. Now, in terms of giving it a refresh, um, you know, you could maybe change the carpet, change the colour of the walls. So... Mm-hmm. If it has been a teenager's room up to now, Mm -hmm. you know, maybe there's been posters on the wall or it's in a gothic black as one of my (laughs) children decided to paint his room (laughs) once. Um, So, you know, can you can you crack on with that maybe and brighten it up? Oh, I think so. Look, you know, nothing is going to transform a room as quickly as a fresh coat of paint. So that's a brilliant way just to give it a whole new lease of life. And it's, you know, that's not going to be too traumatic for the child, I don't think. At least they're coming back to a nice fresh room if they do come back to stay. So that's something I'd encourage. And that's something people can do themselves. It doesn't have to cost a lot of money. So definitely that's a that's a great idea. Mm. Okay. Um, Right. Okay. So um, in terms of then uh, the stuff that's left behind, you know, there there is stuff you're going to have to pull out when they come home and and maybe repurpose. So storage solutions then for what is now an empty room, albeit temporarily. Yeah. So I think be really um, careful about this one because I think there's a great line in it's the Marie Kondo book the magic of tidying up. But she says that uh, storage experts are hoarders. And what she means by that is, you know, you can... Controversial. Exactly. Well, you can go out and buy a load of shelves and put all the stuff that you had already right back there. And the room is equally chaotic in a couple of weeks or months. So be very um, careful about what you want to store and then go and find something that works for that. So like you mentioned, the clothes rail. So if this is to be a dressing room, buy stuff that you can store clothes in. Don't be buying 
loads and loads of shelves and putting books and their artworks and all these other things back Well, that's there. interesting because I think we probably do feel if it's tidied up and put in a fancy box, yeah. you know, yeah. we've fundamentally changed that room. But, yes. But you're saying no. You no, you're just, just moved. <laughs> reorganising the mess, really. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it, and it will be fine for a while. But then when you go looking for stuff, inevitably the whole thing just starts to crumble. So much better to clear out. I think that's really important is to get rid of stuff first before you start organising and buying storage yeah. solutions. Well, as somebody who's moved house a few times, I, I think psychologically getting yourself ready by doing something ruthless like ordering a skip. Yes. So actually yes. have it in the driveway <laughs> and then you have this insane need to fill it before the neighbours do. Yes, exactly, exactly. So maybe that's yeah. a good start. Assume yeah. that you're going to be You're going to be trying out. out. Yeah. yeah, and then you'll find things to put in it. Isn't Definitely. that right? All right. Okay, well, students out there, be warned. <laughs> uh, if you are moving out of home, congratulations on finding somewhere to live and don't expect your room to be there in the same way when you get back. Um, and if anybody out there has uh, students who are leaving for the first time and you're feeling a bit kind of nervous about being an empty nester um, why not let us know what plans you have put in place now we're coming I dare say to the very end of the summer now it's a pity I'm, I'm mm-hmm. kind of holding out for the Indian summer, yes yeah. which I hope will last all of September and all of <laughs> October but experience tells me it we might be done uh, so as a last blast of summer we thought we'd talk to you today Denise about um Florals and floral print and incorporating it in uh, maybe throughout the winter months when you need a little bit of cheering up. Now, I think there's a bit of recoiling and horror when we think of, you know, great aunts, uh, flower patterned sofas Mm -hmm. or, you know, curtains or things like that or that whole Laura Ashley Ashley movement from the 80s. So talk to me about how we can use floral prints gently. Yes. You know, as a kind of a pop Rather yeah, than, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know. Yeah, a yeah, move back in time. <laughs> no, completely. And I think, yeah, so florals are, you know, this is a trend that's emerging at the moment. You're starting to see it all over the place in the magazines. Um, and for someone who grew up in the 80s, yeah, I'm starting to get a bit nervous about that because it is, it's bringing me back in time. Mm. So florals are fantastic. They're beautiful. They can really lift a room. Like you said, in the winter months, they can just inject that little bit of springtime or freshness into a space. But I suppose the one trick is to um, don't overdo it. So, Mm. you know, having floral wallpaper and floral printed couch and floral curtains and suddenly you are transported straight back to the 80s. You know, it is. It's it's really dating. No matter how much it if it's either matchy matchy or completely clashing. clashing, It's awful both ways. It is. It's overwhelming. It's just it's 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 a really tricky look. Um, So I would suggest people just choose one area. Focus on that and let that be the statement. All right. Well, Denise, uh, you're on Instagram. Yes, at Optimize Home. Okay, Optimize Home. Grant. Well, in that case, then people can go and have a look and um, and get some inspiration from you. And thanks a million for coming in to the My pleasure. Today. Thanks, Sinead. And you. that is all we have time for this week. It's absolutely flown. And remember, if you'd like to get involved in the show, have a topic for us or a guest you'd like us to have on or one of our experts to answer a question for you, do get in touch during the week. You can text us here at 53106 or you can email us at any stage at thehomeshow at newstalk.com. The whole team will be on those during the week and sift through them. Uh, and don't forget to check out the Home Show podcast, which is up on the News Talk website 
website if you missed any of the items. They're all there. Thanks a million to Maurice O'Sullivan producing today with Stephen McLoon and Peter Malloy on Sound. Anton Savage is up next. Have a brilliant weekend and we'll see you here next Saturday at 8 o'clock.